Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 271, I have the privilege of chatting with Kelly Mentor. I wrote this Bible study on the life of Joseph called Finding God Faithful. And one of the things that I say in there is that uh, suffering made Joseph fit for the dreams that God had for him. So God had those dreams. They were yeah. birthed and sourced in him and that they were going to happen. But it was the hard, difficult process that made Joseph fit, ready, able for those dreams because a lot of humbling had to happen, a lot of faith had to be forged, a lot of obedience had to be built, and a lot had to happen for Joseph to be ready for that. Kelly Minter is the author of several Bible studies, including one of my favorites, No Other Gods. She's also authored a new study, Finding God Faithful, which focuses on the life of Joseph. So I know this conversation will be an encouragement if you are in a place of suffering, if you're wondering if God has forgotten you, if you have set aside dreams. We know that Joseph uh, allowed the suffering he experienced to only prepare him for the dreams God had for him. That even though he left the quote-unquote promised land, God's presence went with him. I think you'll be encouraged by Kelly's story as she set aside her dreams and found God's to be even better than she could imagine. Before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to one of this month's sponsors. Have you checked them out? It's called Prep Dish. And if one of your 2020 goals is to eat healthier foods and to model for your kids what it looks like to cook delicious meals and sit around the table more regularly, please check out Prep Dish. What it is, is a meal planning subscription service. So every week, You get a grocery list and a meal plan with prep instructions if you want to prep everything in one day, how to cook it that night. This week, I am going to be making their orange cilantro shrimp and broccoli with sweet potato wedges. And I'll tell you, my boys have started to absolutely love shrimp and eat a variety of vegetables because of Prep Dish. If you want to check it out for free for two weeks and see if it's a match for your family, go to PrepDish.com forward slash D-M-A. That's two weeks for free over at PrepDish.com forward slash D-M-A. Let's get to my chat with Kelly. Here we go. Hey, Kelly. Welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hey, Heather. It's so good to be here today. And we're in person. We are in person. We are sitting right across from each other, which makes this so much more enjoyable. I feel like I'm living a surreal life. (laughs) Like this isn't real life for me because... I was the mom at home, like with my friends gathering together, doing Bible studies from famous people like Kelly mm. <laughs> Winter, Minter. I can't, I, yeah. Minter, you, and then. You lost me at famous. And then I'm like, oh, Lifeway, like Lifeway, that's where you buy all your books. And it's this, and I'm sitting in the Lifeway offices using their podcasting equipment. So cool. They do it right over here, they've got it. But I think. Maybe the mom listening, she feels the same way. Like she's idolizing authors of these books or these studies and feeling maybe she's not feeling less than. I didn't feel ever feel less than. I was more inspired. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. wow, this woman took all this time to write this for us. And in your No Other God study, 
I felt really honored that you put recipes in there and told us what candle scent to get. <laughs> so funny. I forgot about the candles. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah, we did. We did do the recipes. And I say we because when I first started writing Bible studies, I wanted some girls to come over and help me think through the material, make sure that it was resonating, give me their input and their thoughts, especially because at that point it was my very first study. And the only way that I knew to basically like get them to come over and pay them back was to cook for them. And so that's I say we because we we began to cook together and go through the material together. And when it came time to publish that study, I thought, well, we might as well let everybody know what recipes we made so that maybe they would want to gather in the same way. And while we're at it, we might as well let them know <laughs> what music we like listening yes. to and and what candles we like burning. And so after all those years, we've basically boiled it down to just the study and then our favorite recipes we've simplified. But it was part of the the whole environment, which was great. And we found that food and cooking together really got us to a place of camaraderie uh, or just like a community feel that mm-hmm. was really natural and that then allowed us to open up more mm. deeply and vulnerably when we got into the study. So that was cool. When you label them the living room series, and there's nothing more like intimate and community-oriented than someone's living room, right? Right, like yes, being exactly. being together in a home setting. Yes. That's just, so these are your people yeah, they, that you would meet with yes, and do Bible studies exactly, with. exactly. And mm-hmm. these are from church? Or like, how did you? They were friends from, a few were from church, some were from other churches, uh, some that I had met through just work, friendship, I mean, just kind of a, a gamut, but there were, there were just five of us. So it was not a huge group, but for piloting a study, that's what made, you know, sense just to have it kind of be sort of small. So you said work. So before you wrote studies, what was Yeah, your... so music. So I was doing music. So yes. That's why I'd come to Nashville and had what? signed some record deals. And so it was fun. It was fun. It was not a very successful music career, <laughs> but it was, well, I say it was fun. Part of it was fun. Part of it was heartbreaking, but mm. it ended up getting me to what I'm doing now, which is Bible study writing and book writing and speaking and those types of things. So it was a good, it was a good experience. It was a hard experience. It was humbling because I really did come here to Nashville to make music and to be successful as a singer songwriter in the Christian industry. And it just was kind of one, you know, failure, if you will, after the next and one record company after the next and one record deal after the next. And it was very humbling. But in that time, you know, one of the girls that helped me, um, Allie Rogers at the time, Allie Dogger now, but she's a great singer-songwriter, so I had known her through the industry. Another girl, Lori, her husband, was um, a producer that I had worked with. And another friend, Anna Dara, who was also a singer-songwriter. So, yeah, kind of had met a lot of those girls in that industry. So um, when did you come here? Like, did you go to college for sing? like? <laughs> I major in vocal I did, performance. No, I was okay. in English and then in psychology. Okay. And but I was doing a lot of music in college as a hobby, which was really cool. So I came uh, around senior year of college and was doing a lot of like it, I want to say it was online, <laughs> but it wasn't even online because <laughs> like there wasn't couldn't. online. It was called extended degree, and they would okay. send you these okay. videotape. I mean, like VHS, right? Not even DVD. This I know. This. So I know this Heather, era. I have. I have these things. I remember wanting the terribly. I Love Lucy, um, like the series, the whole series. The I Love, oh and my yeah. I was like, I think you should get them in DVD. I was like, no, I'm gonna get it. I got them in VHS. Yeah. Oh, you. He saw the future, and mm-hmm. I was like, no, I, I swear this thing's gonna last. Yeah. I, right. 
Exactly. Yeah. You had a yeah. huge box. Well, I was I getting my classes in Amazing. huge boxes. So it was just absurd. But and and boxes like from them to study how to be a vocal artist. Is that what you're no, this is your college. This was your yes. No, this was school. This was <laughs> this was videotape college. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh right. No English classes and yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Statistics in psychology. Okay. Yeah. Ridiculous. So your parents did they always know like you've you've been singing since you were are you like the five year old with the hairbrush? No, little no, girl? No, no. Okay. I was the basketball player, okay. sports, okay. playing sports, complaining about having to take piano, all that, oh, okay. and ended up picking up a guitar, kind of teaching myself. And then when I, I actually lost a basketball scholarship senior year of high school. So I was wow. really like your whole identity. Suit, was yeah, in this sports. sports thing. Yeah. Oh, man. And then when I then as a result of that, I ended up picking up the guitar and then, you know, writing a lot of woe is me songs. <laughs> you know, it's just perfect. You're just the whole world is over. And so you just start writing songs about it. And <sighs> and then it was a couple years, two or three years into that, that I ended up getting connected with. In fact, it was so crazy. I mean, I don't even know where I saw it, maybe in like CCM magazine or something, <laughs> but there was some sort of a competition and you could record a you know song that you'd written or a song that you'd performed. And so I wrote a song and, and I got into this competition. It ended up coming to Nashville and performing and it was so funny because there were four of us and one was Andrew Peterson one was love. Nicole Nordeman love one was somebody else I can't remember and then then myself and like Nicole and Andrew get deals all... like right away you know become famous and I'm like You're famous okay to me, Kelly. I'm like come famous on no it's don't discredit yourself <laughs> it's okay. just I was a rough rough spell oh, but that's yeah that's but hard they got deals right away and it took me a couple years to get deals but then I just could, could not I just did not have the success it was like word records and then I lost that deal because they got bought out and then I went to another record company and then that record company went bankrupt and then I went to another company and it was just it was just every single time the Lord used it as more of a sanctifying process in my life but it was and he was preparing me for the work that I'm doing now and I there, you know when you're writing Bible studies and you're teaching there's no less pull on your pride or mm-hmm. on your fame or money or there there's there's no less pull in this industry than there is in any other industry and mm. i would even say i mean just anything else that yeah. you do right right because our hearts the human heart is always present so it doesn't matter what you're doing so i think that a lot of what the lord allowed me to go through was to prep me for what he was going to do in the future and like that experience was so long and so arduous mm-hmm. that I don't want to say that I take his that I never take his blessings for granted but I will say that that time is never that far away from my mind right. and I'm very aware that I was hanging on by a thread mm-hmm. and that the ministry that he's allowed me to do and the life that I have and the home that I live in and the friends that I have around me and the family that I have around me, I'm very aware that that is what he did Mm. and not what I was able to accomplish because it was such a long road of trying to accomplish something that I did not and could not in the music industry. And I gave it everything I had. And I think in, in retrospect, there's nothing wrong with having those quote unquote, 
I mean, failure is probably not the right word, but there's there's nothing wrong with being able to look back and, and go, okay, I didn't do that. I wasn't able to get that or do that. And because then whatever else you have, right. you realize, oh, yeah. well, it's all a gift from the Lord mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, we see that mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians. You know, what did you receive or what do you have that you did not receive? Yeah. What, did, what, did, what gift do you have that you weren't given? Yeah. So I think it was it was good. I wouldn't want to go through that whole shebang again, but it was good. And I still am doing music, which is fun. I've got a women's event called Cultivate, and I teach three times, Friday night, twice on Saturday, and I have a Nashville band that comes with me, an acoustic band, a violin, acoustic guitar, piano. It's beautiful, wonderful worship leader, Haley Fry. And I get to join them here and there so on, on some music. So it's not a lot, but it's it's just perfect. And I still am getting to make music and do it, but it's more of an accoutrement than anything else. Yeah. I think what everything you just shared is so helpful for anyone who's holding on to a dream or right. even as parents who think of their child who loses a scholarship, right? Yes. Like I'm sure your parents were like, well, what? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it was really hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, this is this person and now she's this person and how God even used those details yes. uh, in our story and just – surrendering those dreams like this is my dream but it doesn't look like that's where we're headed right yes and and yet it's still there Hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's not like it's lost Uh or it's failed but this is all part of it the dream wasn't you weren't quite seeing the whole picture and i feel like it it goes into this Joseph, you know, yes. Bible study that you did with his dreams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He saw these dreams and he thought it meant one thing. Right. And God's like, eh, we're yeah. going to go on this really ar- like long, he said yes. arduous, like yes. long road, mm-hmm. literally, slavery, temptation, yeah. just suffering. Right. And the dream, quote unquote, is coming true, but it doesn't look at all like what you thought. Right. Yes. And in some ways, it's infinitely harder, but infinitely better yeah. also. And to save more. like a whole nation. Yes, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, Joseph's st- getting this dream of, and he's thinking, oh, everybody's going to bow down yes. to me and I'm going to be really powerful. Yes. Re- not realizing that ultimately, yes, that was true, but his heart posture would be totally different. In fact, when the brothers would come and bow down to him, Joseph would take no pride in that. He yeah. would realize that the Lord had worked all of that out and they were actually bowing down to him, not so he could lord it over them, but because he was in a position to save them and yeah. to save their family. And to, and then ultimately, it is where Israel would be birthed out of that whole process. Mm-hmm. And it was all part of the covenant that God had made to Abraham that I will bless you. I will bring many descendants from you. And that through you, I will bring many nations from you. And Joseph got to play a part in all of that. But yeah, I, one of the things that I say in this study, I, I wrote this Bible study on the life of Joseph called Finding God Faithful. And one of the things that I say in there is that uh, suffering made Joseph fit for the dreams that God had for him. Mm-hmm. So those dreams, God had those dreams. They were yeah. birthed and sourced in him, and that they were going to happen. But it was the hard, difficult process that made Joseph fit, ready, able for those dreams, Because a lot of humbling had to happen, a lot of faith had to be forged, Mm. a lot of obedience had to be built, and a lot had to happen for Joseph to be ready for that. And I feel like you could just replace Kelly. Yeah, well, or any (laughs) of us. Everything you're saying. Any of us, yes. Like from what your story you Mm -hmm. just told, if someone's listening and following along, they're like, wait, no, that's what you had to do. Right. That's what you had to do and what you're doing, and and then it's true for any of us, wherever – 
you know, I, I get messages from moms who feel like they have dreams of what their life would look like and then it today looks nothing like mm, it. Mm-hmm. And does that mean that they won't ever get that dream? Do they need to set it aside? Does God not want that for them? Right. And I think what your story is like, trust the process. Mm-hmm. God is faithful. Mm-hmm. There is something bigger at play here. Mm-hmm. And through that humbling and that sanctifying of it, you're going to see it. We just can't all see it in the moment. Yes, right. And it just couldn't have. Yeah. And it (laughs) it just must have felt so strange for Joseph. I was thinking about as he, so he's leaving, he's on, he's been sold to these Ishmaelite traders. Yeah. And what is he on a camel or something? (laughs) And he's being taken from the promised land, which is, I guess it's not the promised land in all of its fullness, but it is the place, it is the place that God had given, it was Canaan, it was the place that God had given Abraham and his descendants. There's Jacob finally there in that space. There's Joseph, Jacob's children. And that is the place where God Almighty has revealed himself, says that basically in New Testament terms, if you're a believer, this is where you're going to live. This is where you're going to be. This is where my blessing is. Yeah. And what must that have felt like for Joseph to be on this camel being taken from that space. Because you're not just being taken from your homeland. You're you're being taken from the place that supposedly is where God is. God this is where God blesses. So you're be and now you're being taken to a, a pagan, a foreign land of Egypt that does not worship the one true God, does not worship the Hebrew God. How else could Joseph possibly have interpreted what had happened to him other than God's hand has gone out against me. God has abandoned me. God has forsaken me. There's just mm-hmm. kind of no other way to to think about it. But the author of Genesis in chapter 39, as soon as Joseph gets delivered to Potiphar's house in Egypt, the author goes out of his way to two different times say, and the Lord was with Joseph. Mm-hmm. And that's where it blows your mind because yeah. you go, well, wait a minute. I thought the Lord was where the promised land is. Mm. And then you realize that God is going out of his way to show us that he was with Joseph, even in this foreign land, even in this quote unquote God forsaken land, even in the pit and the temptation, all of it. It says that God was with him. God was mm. with him. God was with him. And uh, I think that that is such a profound encouragement to us because we find out too that the presence of God ends up being more important than even the land right. of God you right. know and and so that that was an interesting thing for me to think yeah. about well and I I went to Israel once yeah once a blue cool ago. me too yeah yes. just once and uh-huh. when you go to the wailing wall yes yeah so you're there and I'm thinking okay I should have this really holy moment mm. like this is it this is the wailing wall. Right. Everyone's having holy moments all around me. Mm-hmm. And I felt God pressing on my heart like I'm everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not confined to this space. Yes, right. And with the intensity and the passion that you see people around you uh, praying to this wall, mm-hmm. seek my face because I'm mm-hmm. I'm with you. I, when you walk away from this wall, I'm going with you mm-hmm. because of the Holy Spirit, because of the fullness of the new covenant. And yet there was like this idea Mm-hmm. And the Israelites' mind that he's, mm-hmm. you know, just the temple or just right isolated places. Sure. The Holy of Holies. And it's like Jesus sure. is like, let's do a new game. 
yeah. here. Yeah. And, and then, then I'm going to put me myself in you. Right. And in there was something very, you know, special and specific about the land that God had blessed. And yet yeah. at the same time, we see that his presence is far superior. And that's what's so, so important. And uh, yeah, I can't I can't remember exactly how I said it, but it was something about the fact that the presence of God is more important than even the place of God, something like that. Yeah. But that was what I realized that here was Joseph with God. Yeah. In this really difficult place. And yet I'm not saying that God wasn't with his brothers or wasn't with Jacob, but certainly Jacob was experiencing the presence of God in a way that they were not. I would have to believe just based on the the, the text that there isn't that it's not that God wasn't with them, but he was with Joseph in a distinct mm-hmm. way. Yeah. No, that's I mean, that's an encouragement for us today. Wherever someone is finding themselves, I get messages of Moms with sick kids in hospitals oh, sure. and adopted children, where it didn't you it didn't come out the way, yeah. where it where, where it's not all the way done yet, but yeah. the process it didn't yeah. come out the way. Yeah, all thought. of these stories mm-hmm. of just finding themselves in a places of suffering or mm-hmm. hardship, and it's such an encouragement. Like the podcast is called "Don't Mom Alone." You don't have to. Mm-hmm. He's with you. Yes, right. Yes. And so this study of God going with Joseph, no matter where. No yeah. And it's so cool, too, for the for the moms that are listening, that you've got a, a really fractured family mm. with a lot of jealousy and brothers that hate each other. And you have a split family because, remember, Joseph and Benjamin are from Rachel, who Jacob loved, loved, loved. Right. And then the rest of the children are Leah's. Mm. And you, you've got a, a combined family, a blended family. Yeah. Uh, you have jealousy. Yeah. Uh, you have a husband. Well, you've got two wives, so that really mm-hmm. confused things. <laughs> then once once Joseph Handmade. gets to Egypt, yeah, yeah, he gets married to an Egyptian. So now he's got two sons that are half Egyptian, mm. which is also really complicated when later when Jacob goes to bless. So he's got you know, Rachel's kids, he's got Leah's kids, and then he's got Rachel's grandkids that are now half Egyptian. I mean, so you've got a lot of comp- complexities that I think is very, very comparable to modern day yeah, families. families. Yeah. And yet in the middle of all of this brokenness and prejudice and jealousy, mm-hmm. hatred yeah. is what it says, you see God redeem mm-hmm. this whole thing. You see God put all the brothers around a table. Yeah. Because of Joseph's humility and kindness and faithfulness and because and ultimately because of God's covenant promise, which is really hopeful, I think, for those who are listening. And it just kind of looks like a mess. Yeah. It's rare. It's rare to meet someone that they don't have a mess. Yes. Somewhere. Some someplace. Yeah. And God is able to bring redemption. Mm. It's totally his grace and faithfulness. But also he asks us to be obedient in the process. And we do see Joseph's obedience. And we have to we have to give that something, you know, Mm. I think, even though we we fall 100 percent on the grace of God. We also because of his grace, we get to obey and follow him. And we see God just bless in incredible ways. When you pointed that out, like he didn't, when he was in prison for something he didn't do, he served. He used his giftings. He called mm-hmm. on God mm-hmm. to interpret dreams. And I think that there's something to be said that even if you feel like you're in a hard place, it doesn't discount your value or your ability to serve. Right. Yes. That's one of my in other that. favorite parts of that yeah. whole yeah. text is that I'm glad you said that because, yeah, he gets thrown in prison <laughs> and it's not even his fault. Right. And it's just the whole thing has been a mess. And I'm but again, it says that the Lord was with him. Right. But at that point, it says that Joseph noticed that this these two people that had been assigned to him 
that had been thrown in prison that were the cupbearer and the baker for the for the pharaoh that he notices that they're sad. And I always laugh at that because I think, okay, when I'm in pain, <laughs> I just don't notice who else is sad. Right. You know, when I'm hurting, right. the tendency is to go inward and just to woe is me and what's wrong with me and nobody's here for me. And the last thing that I tend to do apart from the grace of the Holy Spirit is look out and care about who else. It's like, why did he care if they're sad? It's like, I'm sad. Okay? <laughs> like, you know, in uh, yeah. I, These are your fellow prisoners. Yes. Yes. And yes. but he he asked them why. Mm. Yeah. What's wrong? And just the simple question that we can ask people around us, even when it's hard for us, opening up our eyes and seeing people around us. And God had given him two ministry assignments in that prison. And what's so interesting is that that assignment ended up saving his life because yeah. he yeah. ends up interpreting the dreams for those guys. One gets out, Cutbear gets out, and ends up two years later remembering mm, yeah. that there was this Hebrew slave that could interpret dreams, tells Pharaoh, and then Joseph is out. It's his deliverance. It's his deliverance. So He, he didn't have an escape plan. No. God no. knew this yeah. would be it, but he yes. was obedient and faithful to serve yeah. where he was with the assignments he was given. Yes, and that service ended up being, just like you said, yeah. his deliverance. And that's always a, it's such a great principle for me because I can turn so inward, especially in difficult times. And you know, I have a friend who is just great at serving. And mm-hmm. even when things have been hard, she's just had a really hard work season, not a lot of work coming in, self-employed, and she's just serving. Mm-hmm. And I just know that the Lord's going to use that because he just does. Y'all have heard me talk about this before, and I don't want you to miss when it starts. It's beginning February 4th. That's when it's launching. And it's only offered twice a year. What is it? Well, it's the Connected Families online eight-session course on connecting with your kid's heart through discipline. Because one of parents' biggest frustrations is how to discipline their kids. I know y'all want kids to learn from mistakes, but oftentimes kids just feel punished and learning doesn't take place and resentment grows. The problem is oftentimes you and I are focused on changing the behavior without considering how to change and connect with our kids' hearts. So over at Connected Families, my friends believe the perfect time to connect with a kid's heart and grow in wisdom and responsibility is during discipline. Jim and Lynn Jackson have taught this idea for over 20 years in live workshops. I've done parent coaching with them. And so they're offering this eight-session online course for you to take in the comfort of your home. And they're giving you 15% off if you go to the show notes, click the link to register, and use the code DMA15. So go over to Don't Mom Alone, click on the show notes for this episode, and use that code DMA15 to get 15% off. Remember, it's only offered twice a year, and it starts February 4th. All right, let's get back to my episode with Kelly. Here we go. Okay, I'm a little fuzzy on the details of the the music to Bible study. Yeah. How did that happen? So essentially I was, so I was here in Nashville, you know, kind of one disaster music <laughs> in the music career after the next. And I, and there was a publisher out of uh, Colorado who was really interested in publishing books for singer songwriters. So oh. he was going after, you know, but well-known, not, not well-known like myself. And so well-known <laughs> uh, artists. And, and so I was out with a certain band that I was touring with a certain band that was, that was very well-known at the time the band was. And this publisher was pursuing this band to write a worship, a book on worship. And so mm-hmm. we all just went to lunch one day because I was part of the tour. And at that point it's like, Oh, a publisher's paying for lunch yeah. and I'm poor. So, 
right. I'm going. I'm going to get that lunch. Well, I ended up sitting right next to the publisher, which was not by design. And he ended up just talking to me and asking me questions and asking me about you know my life. And then he got my record and listened to it and thought, man, I, I see that you're not just a singer, but a, not a songwriter. So mm-hmm. have you ever thought about writing a book? Well, I had not at that point, but I had been in John chapter two because, well, I'd been probably in all over the Bible, but it, this particular day I was in John chapter two and I was, the Lord was really working on my heart about that whole idea of service, like we had just talked about. And it was the whole where Jesus turns the water into wine. And yeah. there's this amazing story, but I'm in the throes of despair with my music career and can't figure out why I'm even in Nashville. <laughs> and the Lord shows me that it was the servants mm-hmm. who were there at the wedding that saw the water jars that had been filled and it was the servants who 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 knew that and so at the end of the wedding you know john tells us that nobody knew where that wine had come from except we know the disciples knew but it says except the servants who Mm. had drawn the water knew because they were part of it and so Mm. the lord just had spoken to me hey i didn't bring you here to be a star i really am calling you to a life of of service Mm. so this publisher had asked me to speak at something and i spoke on that because that was all I knew at the time that God was really doing in my heart. And so he then he came back and said, what would you like to write a book on that? So I wrote a book called Water into Wine that is now out of print and maybe really valuable sold, at this you know, point. a few books. But, no, it's super valuable. <laughs> but it was a good message for me. And, yeah. and, and at then as a result of that book coming out, I got invited to do a chapel at Lifeway. Mm. And I gave that message. I'm pretty sure I gave that message. I might have given a different message. I don't really remember what message I gave. But how many years ago? Were you this was probably t- 13. Okay. And it's interesting because there's a one of the VPs here. It's just an incredible woman, Faith Watley. And we laugh about this because right after that chapel, they asked me to come into a room of Lifeway employees and we all sat around this table and I remember it exactly I remember it like it was yesterday Faith was in that room and they asked me if I'd be interested in writing a Bible study well it's so the reason we laugh about it is because none of us can remember how that meeting happened why that meeting happened (laughs) why anybody was interested in me writing a Bible study I had nothing I'm not I'm not being self-deprecating I had nothing right going for me you didn't have a seminary degree no well not even that stuff I didn't have any degree though well I don't even mean on the spiritual side because I You'd did like, growing up and my dad's a pastor. Okay, and so okay. I had studied. I mean, You've I knew the word. God's it wasn't word. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had, no, I had no name. I had no platform. to Platform. Yeah, yeah. I had nothing. So that was the part that was so. For a publishing house. Usually for, it's like. Yes. That you would have things. something yeah, yeah. That, that to go on there. And of course, it was before social media and blogs and podcasts and all that. So, so But I, I just didn't have anything. So it was just such an interesting it was just so interesting that this would be a, a request. So that's that began. And then that's when I came back to Lifeway and said, well, here's the deal. I feel like I'm in this deconstruction phase. <laughs> and so what about a study on confronting our modern day idolatry? <laughs> and I can call it no other gods. And that, you know, it's not the happiest topic that you could ever imagine, but it ended up being was, something that, fantastic. that um, the Lord ended up really using in my life and it whenever anybody asks me you know what's what's your most personal study i always tell them oh what's no other gods you know no other gods is definitely my my story it's fantastic so well thank you i mean i just love that god's the assigner he's the assigner yes you were in the right position Mm -hmm. by being here you were in the right heart position at that point 
the deconstruction phase, whatever it was, but even just your availability. Mm. And the fact that you did the water into wine, that showed that you were willing to communicate what he's giving to you. Mm -hmm. You were a good steward of the message. Right? And so he's like, okay, this is someone I can trust Mm. with my words and my message. and, Mm. And he's the promoter. That's what I tell. I mean, yeah, absolutely. With all the hustle going around. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I always want to encourage, like, just trust. God has the best networking yeah. abilities, and the orchestrator of meetings. That yes. You guys can you remember how they got orchestrated? Right. Like, yes. I love sharing more of those stories. Absolutely, because there is a lot of hustle, and that was something that. I remembered even yesterday, there's a great author. He's uh, passed away several years ago, but Dallas Willard. And I remember listening to a message of his one day. And he said, you know, I used to always worry about where I would speak and what stage I would, you know, show up on. And he said, and the Lord just really dealt with that early. And he said, don't worry about where you're going to speak. Worry about what you're going to say. And that has always, 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 always stuck Mm -hmm. with me, that that's what we need to worry about. We need to worry about what is... God calling us to speak and what are we how much are we studying the word how much we praying how much are we getting in scripture and then you just let the Lord figure out where that message is going to go you you let him worry about that and that's so important and there's a a pastor's wife out there who's picturing her little girl and thinking oh she might be Kelly someday Mm. right like we just don't know what our stories build into our kids right 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 and what platforms we're allowing that the fact that you're training yeah. In God's word right. began in the home. Yes. Were there any, before we have to go, are there anything that stands out from your childhood that really, I don't know, motivated you or compelled you yeah. to seek God? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think just really seeing my parents, I mean, my parents started a church the year before I was born and it was wow. a huge act of faith for them to go and plant. And my dad is still pastoring there this? today. This is right outside of DC in Northern Virginia. Oh, which is not church. an easy place yeah. To plant a church. Yeah. No, no. No. Not yeah. at all. And so they planted this church, and um, you know it wasn't always the easiest. But I always saw a genuine faith in yeah. my parents, and I always say that we didn't get it perfect, but we got mm. it real. Mm. You know, didn't always get it right, but we got it real, and. Mm. That went such a long way. I knew that my parents um, loved me and just cared for me and that they put us first and not Mm -hmm. just the ministry and not the church. And even when things were really hard, they always asked for forgiveness, you know, when they messed up and they had a real genuine faith. And I think Mm -hmm. that for all four of us kids, that really made such a huge difference. Where are you in the lineup of the four? I'm first. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, pa- pastor's kid, firstborn. Yes. A yes. Lot to live up to. Yeah. That's amazing. Did you all do family devotionals? That's People ask me that question all the time. We did not we necessarily do, do family devotionals, but we did sit around the dinner table every night and we did pull together a lot for different things. It wasn't like a formal, like every day was our family devotion, but my dad and my mom would gather us together. And they would just start times. talking about Talking God. or maybe a little, or if there were issues going on in the home where there was turmoil or strife between us, it would be like, okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to, you know, talk this through. So we did have just a lot of time together and a lot of just individual time. We'd take a walk with my dad and he would talk about the scripture that he was Mm -hmm. learning or my mom would share something with us. And so there was, or pray with us. That was a big thing. My mom was a real prayer warrior. So Mm -hmm. she would really pray with us and for us. And so that was a big thing as well. So yeah, it was good. It was really good. When did you start reading the Bible for yourself? 
Um, I did that pretty young. I loved Bible what study. Tools would you, would you and, use like official Bible studies or did you? Yeah, I did. I mean, I was going to like K. Arthur stuff. I was doing precepts. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it was yeah. crazy. I was kind of oh, yeah. going hardcore. And then Beth Moore, of course, when I got into college. But um, yeah, I would go to Bible study with my family. I would sit in there with my dad or my mom and missions conference and all of that. So I would really encourage families to just involve their kids in the church. Just let them be around. Because even when you're kind of checked out, you're absorbing. Mm-hmm. which is a big thing and mm-hmm. and so I really would say just getting kids in the vicinity is so important of church gatherings mm-hmm. and we did a lot of that and even some mission trips that my parents took um, us on when we were when we were young um, and I, yeah I, I mean listen there was a lot of legalism there were a lot of issues that uh, that we're not perfect. I'm not painting a glossy picture. And I don't necessarily mean legalism just within our family necessarily, but just in the setting. And so it was not it was not perfect, but it was my time in the word. And even as a young person craving that and craving the things of the flesh and the world too, you know, you're yeah. fighting those things at that time. But I really feel like being in the vicinity of the church, as flawed and broken as sometimes it is, it's still the hope. It's, I mean, that Christ's body is still the light. It's still supposed to be the salt and the light. And I, and I, even at my age, I still love the church because it is it, when it when she is functioning as her best, it is mm. the best, and it is it is where our hope is in that community. And and I there were a number of just phenomenally godly men and women that really gave to to me, to my siblings, to our family, and that showed me how to live mm. for Christ. So I would I just think that that's you know church is just so optional right now. It seems mm. like culturally, and yeah. it, we don't want to be legalistic about it, but. I just am like, where would I be without? Where would I have been without it? Yeah, with my youth group leaders, with my small group leaders, with those retreats, with those mm-hmm. camps, with the Bible studies. I mean, where would I have been? I, I just can't even fathom it because that's where I knew the Word and that's where I learned the fellowship of the of the church. And so I just would encourage moms too, where you know you're fighting your kids to get there or you're fighting whatever. Just not be legalistic about it, but to make it a discipline that just doesn't shift because. I, I think over the long haul, there's just such life there because yeah. there were the kids and and I this is what I preach. You know, my nieces and nephews are live down the road and I have loved them, but it's like they're not going to get it anywhere else. Yeah. So this is the one place. This you, is the one like place. Like you said, like your flesh is going to pull you. That's yeah. A given. Exactly. But to have that habit or that appetite for these other things, like you didn't. I don't know. Growing up, same for me. Like went to church. Just like part of what we did. Yeah, right. Like I didn't know anything else. Yes, it wasn't exactly. optional. Mm-hmm, right. So maybe you could call that legalistic, mm-hmm. but or it's just like Or it's just we, a good discipline. We breakfast every day. Uh-huh. That's a good option. Yeah. We could be legalistic about it. But like, <laughs> no, we view it as, you know, that's a sure. good way to start the day. Yes. And just like Sundays for us, that's when our church gathers. It's a great way to like be back together with the same people, remind ourselves of the truth. Yep. We all had rough weeks or something happened or yes. whatever, but it's like the stabling exactly. rhythm in our experience. And then, like you even said, like God's word, like that was just part of your appetite. And yes. the fact that you saw your parents living it out 
faithfully yes. and not just talking about it, mm-hmm. I think is a big deal. Yeah. And they really did help apply it to our real life. Like yeah. even when I lost my scholarship and the, mm-hmm. like just saying, OK, but is this the will of of Christ Jesus for you right now? You know, and is this can you receive this with Thanksgiving, even though this is such a disappointment and this is so difficult? Can we trust the Lord with your future? Can can you do that? You know, because we do. So their and, messaging around it so, wasn't like. What the heck, Kelly? Yeah, yeah, no. That's money. Yes. They weren't like mad at you. No, no. no. That's, yeah, that's huge. It, it was, how it we was re- just... respond to life. How we respond to life is yes. what our, where our core beliefs really are. Yes, and yeah. how we're taking the, you know, what does it say in Deuteronomy that we're to instruct our children, like when we get up, yeah. as we walk along the right. road, as we, you know, and you could add, you know, while you're making dinner, while you're <laughs> sitting down, while you're in the car, while right. you're going through the drive-thru, whatever it might be. Yeah. So... Yeah, really. Yeah. And the dinner table for me was a safe harbor. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write this cookbook, too, whether you're married or single like myself, but to create a safe place Mm -hmm. for people to come and to fellowship, to be nourished in both body and spirit is something that was so valuable for me and really Mm -hmm. saved me. I mean, I I dealt with anxiety and depression as a child and lots of different things. And the word of God saved me and the church Mm. saved me. And so I just hope that I will always be Mm. an advocate for the body of Christ, because Mm. right now we're living in a culture that and I'm not saying that there aren't good reasons that there aren't some real serious issues that need to be called out. But there's also a lot of cynicism Mm. and jadedness toward, ah, we don't really, oh, we just get online and watch a sermon or I don't really need that or, you know, my faith is private or whatever. And it's like, Mm. no, we, we need each other. Yeah. It's when you go through the hard thing that that cynicism doesn't work. Right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That was neat to yeah. dabble in, but right. no, like, <laughs> exactly. we got to push yeah. all the way through and uh-huh. get to the other right. side. Yeah. I need something that's yeah. going to hold. Yes. Yeah. No, I I so appreciate you. I appreciate your honesty. Oh, thank all of you. This and in these studies and being oh. faithful with what you've been given and the places he's assigned you and your giftings. I mean, it's very inspiring. Where can people find you online? Well, uh, so my website is just kellyminter.com, but I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Every so often I'll pop out there on Twitter, but Twitter kind of scares no, me I just a little bit. So I really yeah, like I Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I should probably take that. But but I, I really like Instagram a lot. It just seems to be kind of friendly, a little happier. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I tend to focus. If people want to come find me there, I would love that. That's great. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Heather. I appreciate it. Okay. We spent a majority of our conversation talking about her Bible study and her story, but I wanted to let you know that Kelly also has created a beautiful cookbook called A Place at the Table. It's not just recipes. It's really a call to community and life around the table, and she created it with her friend Regina Pinto. And if you want to check it out, we've put a link in the show notes. They also, we put a link to uh, several videos they have made of them cooking. If you are someone who enjoys learning more about food and um, you really enjoyed getting to know Kelly, I want to point you there because it really is a beautiful, beautiful cookbook. Before we sign off, I would like to pray for us. I don't know if this stirred up something in you, a dream that you'd set aside, a disappointment or dissatisfaction and not seeing that dream fulfilled, or maybe a dream you've felt like God maybe isn't acknowledging while you're in this season of motherhood, maybe surrendering something that you think needs to go one way and trusting God that that he has something good for you. So I'm going to pray over us. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful 
And no matter what our story looks like, you have a place assigned for us to use our gifts and our skills and our interests in a way that glorifies and honors you. I pray for the mom listening who maybe feels benched in this season of motherhood and that she has had to surrender dreams and that she may never see fulfilled, that you can give her the comfort to know that you see her and that you know her and that you have plans for her for good purposes and I pray for the mom who finds herself in a place of suffering, that you would be ever-present, that she would know you are close and that you are but a call away, that you are so able and ready to help. I pray that if she's feeling insecurities about leading her children to you, that you would provide a person or an opportunity for how to lead her children through your word, through prayer, that you would embolden her to know that you can give her everything she needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all, for joining me today. I pray that you are finding community somewhere, whatever that looks like. And you can always reach out to our team if you are struggling to know how to foster the community you desire. If you're looking for help in starting a podcast club, just go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash podcast club, and you can get uh, more information there on what it looks like to start your own. Um, Even if a, a gal this week said, her friends were in one place and they had a club and now they listen to the episodes and they talk about it over Marco Polo, which is an app kind of like where you can talk back and forth to each other through videos. So honestly, I keep saying it. It's very organic. It's whatever you want to do. Be We provide the content, the discussion questions, and let y'all choose what you want it to be. We have more amazing episodes coming up in the, the next few weeks. If you don't want to miss any of them, go to olaheather.com and sign up to get a weekly email in your inbox letting you know about the latest episodes. All right. Thanks y'all for tuning in. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, While you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.